Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Orgasm, the podcast from Chipperish Media, where we reach for explosive inspiration. Each episode is a deep dive into a topic that sparks our creative energy, and we'll talk about that topic through our ideas framework. Ideas is an acronym for identification, discovery, exploration, analysis, and synthesis. Today's orgasm centers around writing. But before we put pen to paper, let's bask in the afterglow from the last episode. All right. So our last topic was nature. And we ended up talking more about our fundamental nature as opposed to trees and birds and beaches and things. Because, of course, we did. (laughs) We're two and a half episodes in, and I already think we may have underestimated what we were going to end up doing here. (laughs) Maybe just a little. Just a smidge, but you know, whatever, it's fine. I had a lovely experience with the, with the natural world last week. My oldest child and I often walk to school in the mornings, but one day we were running super, super late and ended up needing to drive. So as I turned the corner to drive west, the moon was so low setting in the morning sky that it surprised and delighted me and I actually said out loud oh hello there oh I love that (laughs) it was just so pretty and such a nice surprise and then after I dropped the kid off I immediately went home and texted one of my local people go outside and look at the moon right now (laughs) (laughs) and they texted me back this picture from a third floor balcony and it was just a lovely little moment of connection that morning that's great and I do think like when we see something beautiful or delightful like that we want to share it right so like I think that's great yeah I mean we do it enough with miserable things right (laughs) oh this smells terrible you have to smell this (laughs) so so more more wonderful things yes more wonderful more sharing of wonderful things I I laughed when I saw in your script when you wrote, because of course we did. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yep. It's never going to be just a simple topic. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this will be easy. This will be simple. No, 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 no. <laughs> but one thing I'm learning about inspiration is that it's both easy to find and hard to hold. So it's lovely, Mm -hmm. but it's ephemeral, and making the time and space to honor it is a lot harder than I hoped it would be, and nature is definitely in that zone for me. So most Mm. days, I am just too damn focused on work and all that has to be done. It's too busy and distracted to pay attention to, much less honor the natural world around me. But that's something I'd like to change. And walking outside every day has helped. Just being out of doors, wandering, not having a particular destination or a particular time I have to get there, (laughs) breathing deeply and looking for beauty is a great experience for me. And it always makes me feel better. But it's still hard to make time for that every day. So I'm trying. But I did have a lovely morning when I walked outside and breathed in autumn. And the Mm. air was so cool and crisp. And even though the leaves aren't changing yet, the air is changing. And that change between seasons always delights me. So that was lovely. But I think I'm like trying to become very cognizant of the fact that nature isn't just going to come to me. I have to go to it. (laughs) Like I keep waiting for the singing woodland creatures to show up and help me unpack (laughs) the apartment, right? Like, I kind of thought that was a deal. Like, I chose magic. I'm totally open to inspiration. Moved into this new place. Made just, you know, big life change. And I'm like, surely they're coming. I mean, maybe they're running late and that's fine because I always run late too. But it's been a month now and like, They haven't showed up yet. So where are the singing mice and birds? Exactly. And the little baby deer and stuff. And I thought they would come in with like wildflowers (laughs) and we would all sing and there would be this montage. And at the end, the whole place would be unpacked and decorated and like sparkling and and it would just be lovely. And there would be all these little magic, little natural things all over the house. And and that shit has not happened. Yeah. So (laughs) someone's working on an app right now. Right. It'll just send 
singing mice and hamsters to your house. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of getting the hint that yeah. if I want this in my life, I'm going to have to do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and we will we'll get to that with, with today's topic, too, because... Yes. Damn. Yes. But I do <laughs> want to keep it. Like, these are experiences that I do genuinely enjoy, and I want to continue to pursue them. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So speaking of today's topic, do you want to get us started? Yeah. Launch us into today's topic. So I chose writing for today's topic based on our shared list of ideas for orgasmic experiences. And I chose it in part because I'm a sneaky bugger and I'll take wordplay over foreplay any day. (laughs) Um, When I think of writing, I think as much about the act of putting pen to paper, you know, turning words in my mind to letters on a page as I think about crafting narrative. Mm -hmm. So I I was curious to see uh, what definition you would choose. Well, first, I have to say, wordplay can be foreplay. And when those two lovely things overlap, it can make for one hell of an orgasm. So I'm just putting that Fair out enough. there first. And I did define my terms, but I did it in the script and it took me forever to get there. So mm. we'll get there. It's an organic kind of a process. <laughs> it's an organic orgasmic experience. It's a, it's a meat process. <laughs> you know, I cannot define a term without like, well, I can't do it without writing. It takes me forever. And like in graduate school, I had to define the word learning. Oh, God. Uh, uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it took me like 30 pages and like 70 citations. But then I finally got it down and was able to consolidate it and synthesize it and think about it and clarify it. And finally, I came up with a one-word definition. And the same thing was true for writing. So we'll see how it goes. Although I didn't pile up the orgasm script with citations, which was very, very difficult for me. (laughs) if look if you want to put citations in the show notes because you just can't help yourself oh yeah you're not they're not the only intellectual around these parts i'm sure there are chipperish patrons who would love to pour over some citations yeah i don't know that has anything to do with being an intellectual i just like citations but i could start formatting our script notes in APA format. Okay, nope. That's a different kind of orgasm. Take us into identification, baby. (laughs) So identification. So writing has been a big part of my life since I was a really, really little kid. I had, speaking of magical animals, I had pet mice and hamsters growing up. And they didn't sing, but I would write stories about them. And there was... There was romance and action and mystery. I mean, these stories got pretty elaborate. Yeah, and at first they were all handwritten. We did have a clunky personal computer, one of the the original home computers that was like the size of I don't know, like the size of a microwave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just yep. just enormous. But I did mostly handwrite those first stories and I still have a soft spot for handwritten letters and cards. I really prefer to keep a paper calendar because I seem to remember things better when I handwrite them, but also because I just enjoy it. Yeah. There are, (laughs) I find this kind of funny. Um, There are four humans and one very old kitty in my house and I have us all color coded on the calendar. (laughs) Of course you do. Well, it makes the calendar look pretty. Of course it does. Of course you do. I am visualizing in my head when you and I road trip together that you will have, (laughs) I will just say, oh, we're driving to X. Let's maybe look at MapQuest when we actually get in the car. And I don't know, we'll just stop wherever we feel like stopping. And you will be like, here is our itinerary and it's color coded. And (laughs) yes. That's exactly what you do. Is that not a thing that you do on road trips? Me? <laughs> no, not you. Like no. humans. <laughs> humans of Earth. This is a thing people do. I have a friend who does that. Uh, she and I went to San Diego <laughs> together. And 
she asked me when we when we got on the plane. She was like, so what do you want to do while we're there? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd like to see the ocean. I heard there was a great tequila bar. I'd like to go there. Other than that, I don't know. And she pulls out a, a spreadsheet. <laughs> she had printed, color coded, and I was like, okay. <laughs> but my brain does not work like that. Oh, hell yeah. No, I love it. I love it. But I love your color-coded planner. That's that's great. I do. I have a I have a pretty calendar that is that's color-coded and I enjoy looking at other people's handwritten things too. Um sometimes someone else in the house will write something on the calendar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, I I love seeing just different people's handwriting, mm-hmm. which is kind of a strange thing to notice about people but I had a classmate in middle school her who made her E's her capital E's look like backwards threes and sometimes I'll do that on purpose just because I like the way it looks oh yeah you know at like things like that with you know noticing other people's handwriting I always always admired my father's handwriting growing up he prints in all caps oh like wow black caps yeah yeah, and it's beautiful. And I, according to him, it looks like his father's handwriting. But as I get older, I notice that my handwriting looks more and more like his. Yeah, you do have block caps in your handwriting. I have mm-hmm. noticed that. Yeah, and I mean, and anyone who's gotten to know me in the past 11 months or so knows that I have a couple folks handwriting tattooed on my body. So <laughs> there's that, too. <laughs> But in terms of the craft of writing, I don't think of myself as a writer, probably because I don't do nearly as much writing as I used to do. Which is crazy to me because you are so talented. Like when I think of you, I think of wordsmith, word witch. Like you can craft words like an art form. I very much consider you a writer. Well, it's so funny because I don't tend to think of what I do now as writing like I don't think of it as counting so much but I mean I don't know I don't really know what to make of that I think because I blogged through all three of my pregnancies back in the late aughts when blogs were really a thing Mm -hmm. and when my first child was a baby I would write every night from 10 to 11 p.m. just me in the dark with my laptop getting my thoughts together And I met some really wonderful friends through writing that way. One of my best friends in the world right now is someone who happened to be pregnant with her youngest child right around the time I was pregnant with my youngest. And we bonded in the comments sections of our respective blogs. Yeah, I mean, I think blogging and commenting and online discussion forums and Twitter, like that kind of writing has opened the door for so many new friendships. And I think it's wonderful. Well, and it's an incredible way to connect with people around things that are difficult to talk about, Mm -hmm. especially face to face with folks in your life. My second pregnancy actually ended in miscarriage right at the start of the second trimester. And writing through that grief really saved me in a way. It felt like the only way I could process what had happened to me and how horribly I was treated in the midst of that, especially by some folks who really should have known better. And should really be in volcanoes. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) I mean, everybody's got their, their story. And, you know, I don't, I don't waste any more time thinking about those people. Yeah. But I heard, you know, when I was writing through this process, and it was messy. I mean, it was just it was grief and pain and, and you know, feelings like I would never feel okay again. Oh, and I just wrote through that and I heard from so many friends and acquaintances and strangers online that my sharing openly about that experience really helped them to process their own grief over similar losses. Yeah. And, th- you know, that was never... That was never my intention. I just didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. I felt totally, I felt totally powerless to do anything to feel better. And the only thing I could think to do was to write about what was going on. Yeah. 
I'm no longer the fierce blogger I used to be. <laughs> I'm not. But now you're a podcaster. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yes, you are. I don't. I do a reasonable impression of a podcaster. <laughs> Trust me, you're a podcaster. It's pretty convincing. <laughs> but I still write lots of things by hand, and I keep a couple of journals. But I don't write fiction like I used to when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Although you did remind me that I have been um, working on some erotica lately. Yes, which, which... Is fantastic, <laughs> and amazing. Oh, I don't know. Just again, you're gonna have to trust me. <laughs> okay. All right. It's Fine. very effective. It's. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot put that on the podcast. <laughs> You're the one who said the word erotica. I'm just validating the orgasmic quality of said erotica. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) You are a very talented writer, and that genre is a genre in which you shine. Well, thank you. So what have you got for identification? Well, like you, writing has been part of my being since I was old enough to write. The first thing I remember writing was a goals list on my sixth birthday. Because I had big plans for that year. I was turning six (laughs) on February 6th, and it felt magical and important. And so (laughs) I wrote my very serious goals with crayon on construction paper, and I still have them. (laughs) Oh, my (laughs) God. I wish my goals for the year were this much fun now. So I wanted to learn to turn a perfect cartwheel. I wanted to learn to tie my shoes and double knot. I wanted to learn how to blow a bubble, learn how to snap my fingers, see a rainbow, learn how to whistle, and learn how to ride a bike without training wheels. And I can still snap and whistle. And I can still ride a bike. And I can still tie my shoes, but I cannot do a cartwheel anymore. <laughs> but it, it cracks me up now that six of the seven were learning goals. Like I had actually written, I want to learn to do this. And oh I learned to do them all. <laughs> That year, but it took a couple more years to see a rainbow. That goal was out of my control because as much as I wish I could, I cannot control the weather. (laughs) But I wrote constantly as a child and even more as a teenager. So my favorite thing to write are lists and just free form, brain poor, shitty first draft journaling. When I was really young, I mostly wrote poems and song lyrics and short plays. And as a teenager, The plays got replaced with essays, but I journaled every day as a teenager and as as a young adult. But then from a young adult until my late 30s, almost all of my writing was academic. And (laughs) that's a whole different kind of writing. That's a different, (laughs) that's a whole different thing. I'm very afraid that passive voice has become part of my DNA as a writer. So I fight (laughs) really hard against it (laughs) now. (laughs) But I, like you, I kept a blog for about a year, I think in 2010, nine, somewhere around in there. And it was a lot of fun, but I never felt like I had a purpose or a clear topic or any real direction. And when the PhD work piled up, I just let the blog die. But I missed the interactions with people the most about that. That was what was the most fun. And now mostly I write podcasting scripts and shitty first drafts journals and <laughs> I still I still write lists every day and I think I may have a form of hypergraphia when it comes to lists and journaling because I simply have to write like I need pen to paper and if I can't get that I need hands to keyboard or voice into recorder but my preference is pen to paper I have written on my own body when I could not find paper and I have written with eyeliner when I could not find a pen <laughs> So it's like (laughs) something I have to do. But despite all the passion I have for fiction, I have written very little of it. I have never in my whole life written a short story. And there were a few times when I was assigned to write a short story, once in the third grade and once in the ninth grade. And I took a zero on both assignments because I just couldn't do it. Wow. I froze up like the high holy ice queen of winters of all time. I just... (laughs) couldn't do it so like, no no I didn't I didn't do it but I write so many lists for fiction like lists so many story huh. ideas premises and what if questions I have entire notebooks 
filled with story ideas. But they come to me as sort of world flashes and never as characters. And then I have no idea how to turn them into actual novels. So if you need a story idea, call me. But if you want to write an actual book, yeah, I got nothing. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> for example, I've wanted to write about fairy godmothers probably my whole life. Oh, yeah. Everything about fairy godmothers fascinates me, especially because mine must be either on permanent sabbatical or needing serious remedial training. <laughs> but one day I got the idea for the fairy godmother handbook. And I started writing the rules you'd learn as a trainee. The Wicked Queen is not your friend. She will try endlessly to recruit you to the dark side. Yes, it pays better. No, it's not worth it. There's a lot of blood involved. Mostly yours. Things like that. (laughs) It's like a list of rules, right? Sure, yeah. (laughs) But the idea came to me as the handbook, not as the character who would be using it. And when I try to figure out, like, who's that character? What's her motivation? What's the conflict? Then the whole thing just dissolves like you know holding water in your hand Mm -hmm. and the thing I seem to write most whether as a podcast script or a journal is memoir which is the kind of book I want to write least so (laughs) yay for inner creative conflict (laughs) you have an internal conflict you have an internal central narrative conflict conflict. (laughs) exactly congratulations on being a protagonist thanks I am, in fact, an imaginary fictional character. It's awesome. <laughs> but I I struggled for years to define writing. And mm. then I had to define it as part of my graduate work. And finally settled on writing is composition. Because to me, writing is multifaceted in form and function, in purpose and product. So if you're capturing your thoughts with words in any way, you're writing. Wow. So that may be lists, texts, Twitter posts, blogs, comments, discussion forums, letters, notes, cards, essays, academic papers, short stories, poetry, script, novels, podcasts. If you're composing your ideas, you're writing. And all of it is good. You know what's so amazing about that is when you say composition, I immediately think of music. Mm-hmm. But we talk about writing music. Like You can write a song and that can mean writing the lyrics to the song, but it can also mean writing the music to the song. And now I just want to geek out about that. I know nothing about writing music. Yeah, I don't either. But I I love that. I love the idea. And, and musicians, please weigh in and tell me if this is how this works. But I am imagining being fluent in music in the way that someone might be fluent in language and being able to express your ideas through how you arrange notes and chords and Mm -hmm. phrases. I don't know if that's how it works, but now I'm just, now I want to know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to me that music is emotion set to rhythm and writing is emotion set to words, but they're both composition. Mm -hmm. They just come out in different forms. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love handwriting too. A lot like you do. Handwritten cards and notes. Handwritten copied out quotes or poems especially just light me up. And words are my primary love language. So anything written to me in any form is going to be very meaningful. And anything I write Mm -hmm. to someone else is done with that, you know, kind of behind it too. But I have a love-hate relationship with my own handwriting. So my teachers always criticized it when I was young, and I refused to hold a pencil the correct way. Like, I just couldn't do it. And um, they would—they kept making me do all these exercises of, like, writing the letters up in the air and, like, all these exercises with pencils. I hated that shit so much. Yep, I remember those. Especially (laughs) the writing the letters in the air because I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Where is the damn paper? Like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, I was criticizing pedagogy in the second grade, okay? I did not like it. It was not an effective teaching method. (laughs) I hated it so much. I just pictured, like, seven-year-old Kelly putting her hand in the air. Excuse me, this is not an effective teaching method. (laughs) Seven-year-old Kelly might have done that. I was very obnoxious as a kid (laughs) opinionated and very serious like I was you know like I I paid attention to 
how each teacher taught and tried to figure out why they did mm. what they did and why I hated the classes I hated and loved the classes I loved. And I've, I've always done that. Huh. If only you were making a podcast about why you love what you love. I know, right? <laughs> but then in the sixth grade, with like probably the best teacher I ever had, and I think that this, my English teacher, just saved me in a lot of ways. And she taught us all calligraphy. Um, she did these two oh, creative cool. units back to back. We learned calligraphy and then we learned sign language. And it was so That's much so fun, cool. uh, especially, you know, with like the ink pots and these real calligraphy pens and that thick paper and like learning how to craft letters, you know, and how to make everything look oh, yeah. so pretty. And I fell in love with it and my handwriting got a lot better. I think it even got to the point where I would have said I had pretty nice handwriting and I've really enjoyed just the feeling and the movement of the pen on the page but then I shattered my right arm and I couldn't even hold a pen for over a year and I had to relearn how to write and I had to do that three times after three surgeries and three rounds of physical therapy and then like by the third time I was like okay I know it's going to take this long until I can grasp the pen again and it's going to take this long until I can turn my wrist to put it to the page and so like my goal for each one was to speed up the time like Mm -hmm. from surgery to handwritten note (laughs) I was like (laughs) damn it I am gonna put this pen back in my hand so I no longer give a high holy damn about how my handwriting looks I'm just really glad to be able to write again well and I love that you say that because your handwriting is gorgeous I'm you say you don't you like care it. what it looks like, but it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Your handwriting is beautiful. Full stop. It gets messier the longer I write. <laughs> well, I, but isn't that true of everybody? I mean, I am amazed that any of my written final exams in college were even legible by the end when you've been writing. For oh, yeah. An hour and a half. Yeah. I don't know. Do, do students still have to do that? Write? In pen on their final exam. I don't know. I'm old, you guys. No, I, <laughs> I have mine. Most of them want to type, so I let them type. I've had a couple turn in handwriting. But, my, you know, if I can't read your handwriting, I can't grade your paper. So right. it's usually safer to type. Yeah, true. So discovery. Mm-hmm. On to discovery. On to discovery. On to discovery. In terms of discovery, which is about what we wondered about the topic and how we discovered new related things. I was mostly curious to see which definition or definitions of writing you would take on because I know (laughs) how much you love defining terms. (laughs) But discovery is also about what we feel naturally drawn to about this topic. And when I think about writing now, like right now, I think about journaling. Mm -hmm. That feels totally easy and natural for me whereas writing say fiction Mm -hmm. really does not feel accessible to me yeah I get that totally I feel drawn to journaling too but my heart wants to write fiction and I'd really like to blog again there's something about that process that really appeals to me but I'm at a loss for a theme or a topic (laughs) Mm. so I have no idea So do you need a theme or a topic to blog? Does that feel like a prerequisite for blogging for for you? Okay. Because otherwise, I don't know what to write about. Yeah, I hear that. Why am I sitting here at this keyboard (laughs) putting this out into the internet anyway? I'm just a girl standing in front of the internet asking people (laughs) to read my writing. (laughs) I'm just just a girl sitting in front of the internet. (laughs) Asking it to like and subscribe. (laughs) And comment. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I do love writing podcasting scripts, even though they all get written at the last possible second. Because I... (laughs) What? (laughs) Literally. Like, literally (laughs) at the last possible second. Like, I have a funny story about that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Go ahead. I have a funny story about that. This was, this was not this podcast. This was for Still Pretty, the podcast that I do with Lonnie Diane Rich about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what episode it was, but we were sliding into home base on, (laughs) it was time to record. We've got everything all set up, ready to go. And she goes, what's that clicking? 
I said, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't hear anything. She's like, I hear something on your end. What's that clicking? And I was like, oh, um, my keyboard? I'm <laughs> writing my notes now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you ever podcast with Lonnie, just know she can hear your kid, your keyboard clicking. And I have been busted more than once for the same <laughs> last minute note writing <laughs> thing. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> done it <laughs> but like today we started recording at the top of the hour and i finished my script at eight minutes before <laughs> yep so it's gonna be at the last minute it's fine it's fine it's, it's fine. fine it's fine <laughs> it's all fine but i love the creative collaboration of writing a script with a creative partner like that to me is so much fun and yeah because your thoughts get meshed with someone else's thoughts and then you kind of try to put them in categories and then when you talk you end up adding to that or skipping things but it all comes together in this new form and it's never exactly like the script you wrote but the script you wrote gives you a framework and that whole process just delights me so that kind of writing makes me very happy but I think on a like on a deeper level the discovery of writing is very much tied to and tangled up with my self-discovery because oh. maybe who I want to be as a writer is hidden in who I want to be as a person. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> I don't know about no, that. No, that's a fascinating idea. That no, That is a good, crunchy idea. I'm going to ruminate on that. Well, I understand the concept of finding your voice as a writer, right, in terms of style. Yeah. So, like, I yes. know when something authentically sounds like me. I know when something authentically sounds like you or Lonnie. Like, if I get a text message from y'all, I hear it in your voice, right? Like, <laughs> and I love that so yeah, much. Yeah, but, but even if it's a different kind of writing, like, I, I get the way that style ties to voice. Yeah. The way in which you express yourself is very, it's like a fingerprint, right? And, and so that, that makes sense to me. But I don't know how to discover my voice as a writer in terms of genre or topic or theme. So it's like the, the how I would write about something, like the word choice, the style, the rhythm, the cadence, that I understand. But the what that I would write mm. about, I don't. And so that's the area of discovery where I'd like to focus. Now that makes sense. So for that, I will need to do some exploring. So check out that segue to exploration. Yeah. <laughs> I see your segue. What you got for me, baby? So I did some actual writing over the past Woo-hoo! couple of weeks. What? Yeah. And not just in the in the context of lengthy text messages, which apparently sound just like me, which is kind of awesome, mm-hmm. or chipperish behind the scenes stuff, which... First of all, I really shouldn't say anything, but y'all are in for a treat soon. Uh, but it occurred to me that all of that writing that I take for granted, texts, emails, tweets, Instagram captions, more texts, notes for podcasts, <laughs> even meal plans and grocery lists all still count as writing. Yes. In the same way that some people want to tell you that if your children are reading graphic novels or magazines, it doesn't count as reading, which is complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, those people are reading just wrong. Reading is reading. But I really, really, really didn't want to slide up to my microphone and be like, Kelly, guess what? I wrote a grocery list. <laughs> hey, in my disorganized world, a coherent grocery list is an accomplishment. There is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, and but here's the thing. Like, it would be totally legit if I thought I could get to a mind-blowing orgasm in the aisles of Trader Joe's. Mm. But that seemed really unlikely. <laughs> Side note, new life goal. Lead Noelle to a full orgasm <laughs> in the aisle of Trader Joe's. All right, Siri. Put that on my calendar. Thank you. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> using Trader Joe's against me? <laughs> I won't be using Trader Joe's for you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a point 
over the past couple of weeks of writing more. I wrote a blog post about gender that should be up now if you go to joycurious.com. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, it's super vulnerable, but you know, I'm just going to go for it because the stuff that I write when I'm just kind of writing through it mm-hmm. seems to be the best stuff. Yeah, vulnerable is badass, baby. Great. Yeah, so there you go. And I journaled a lot more. Good. Like pen to paper most afternoons. And with journaling, I mostly just let myself write stream of consciousness style, which is my absolute favorite way to journal. Mm -hmm. But you had also said to me a couple times over the past few weeks, tell me about a time when something or other. Mm -hmm. So I took those as journaling prompts and I kind of ran with those too. And I wrote a few memoir adjacent. Oh, yay. That's great. (laughs) Journal entries. Yeah. I love that you've been writing and journaling more. That's that's fantastic. And I think for me, because I tend to do everything backwards, <laughs> I try, I mean, there is no simple linear path to a damn thing. <laughs> to kickstart my own writing, I've been reading more. So Fiction and I had sort of a breakup a while back, and now we're back together, and we're enjoying all the rush of falling back in love, so it's been fantastic and oh, fun. I love that. Yeah. Lots of good makeup reading. And um, in the search of creative inspiration, I've been exploring celebrations of writing. So I went to BookFest St. Louis and heard authors talk about their work, and that was amazing. And while I was there, I learned about a local sci-fi con that, magically enough, is next weekend. So I signed up on the spot, which is very unusual, given my tendency to freeze and procrastinate. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. It was, it was really cool. It was the last uh, exhibition table that I visited, and I had no idea what it was, and I've never heard of it, and I have no idea how it works. I've never been to this kind of con before, and I don't know a soul there. So <laughs> it's just wow. going to be full-on exploration, and I will be in full explorative and extroversion mode, so we'll see what happens. But if nothing else, maybe it will be fodder for our next orgasm script. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting to talk about personality types. Mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs, we could address the, you mentioned love languages earlier. Mm-hmm. We could address the five love languages. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. There's there's potential there. There is potential there. There's, yeah. So are we ready for analysis? I'm ready to analyze if you are. All right. So one of our questions for analysis is, Why do I love this thing? And that turned into a complex question (laughs) for me uh, in terms of writing. I don't think I love it Mm -hmm. on the crafting a narrative, putting words together side of things. But I need to do it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like exercise that way, where if I spend too many days sitting for too long, I notice feeling kind of cranky and sluggish and just not good Mm -hmm. in my body. Writing helps me organize my thoughts, even if the end result isn't terribly organized. It helps me feel better in my in my mind. Yeah. So something I do genuinely love, though, about pen to paper journaling is that my hand forming letters is so much slower than my mind forming words. Mm-hmm. So I have to slow down and really be with my thoughts, even if they're racing. And it gives me time to reflect on what I'm writing as I'm writing it. And in terms of handwriting and appreciating other people's handwriting, I just I just love it. I love that how we form letters on a page or a sign or chalkboard can be so different. Not just the letters themselves, but the use of space. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, how much space you leave around words or how many, you know, like, it's fascinating to see how people will make some words bigger or smaller or will do a big loop for a a lowercase g or y or something like that. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I I wonder what goes into some of those decisions. I'm sure they're unconscious decisions, Mm -hmm. but it's still... It's still neat to see how that comes out. And both of my children are learning to write in their own ways. And it's a tiny little miracle 
watching them go from asking, how do you make this letter to how do you spell this word? Yeah. Or sometimes not even asking. My youngest is learning letter sounds and will sound things out. Mm-hmm. And I will be able to read the writing, even if it's not spelled correctly, because I know that we're on the same page with letter sounds. It's mm-hmm. just, it's unbelievably cool to watch them it is <laughs> learn amazing. to do that. So I think of handwriting, when I think about handwriting, it's like a little bit of art that we all make without really thinking about it. I love that so much. I remember my son learning how to write, and it was incredible to kind of watch that switch turn on in his brain. And I still have the first letters he ever wrote on a piece of paper, which didn't spell anything. They were just random letters. Um, yeah. And I still have the first piece of paper where he ever wrote his name. Oh. But I have the exact opposite reaction that you have because my brain moves a lot faster <laughs> than my pen. And it drives me crazy because everything I handwrite ends up missing a few words because I can't, like, I don't sure. slow down. I end up, I, I write faster and faster and faster. Like, my wrist will hurt when I get finished or, like, my arm will be aching or my fingers will go numb. And it's like, I'm like that crazy Shakespeare guy in the movie with ink all over his hands, like, <laughs> the further I fall into it, the faster I have to write, and I can't keep up with the words. So I always end up with missing words, but I know it now, and I just go back and add them above the line with a little carrot symbol, because, like, insert here, you know? <laughs> yeah. Except on occasion when I can't remember what word I wanted to put in there, and then that drives me <laughs> crazy. <laughs> but it it's happens. Fine. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm just like, whatever. I'll add something here that makes sense. I don't know. But... I think I love writing like I love breathing. I just can't help it. You know, Mm -hmm. words are the fundamental element of my entire existence as a person. And it shocks me whenever I realize or remember that that's not the case for everyone. Like, I genuinely forget that not everybody has that compulsion or need to write. And not everyone enjoys it or appreciates it. Because I can't imagine. Like, I just, I can't quite fathom what that would be like. And... Because to me, like, writing is sort of the ultimate of human expression in whatever form it takes. And I, I guess I need to express what I'm feeling or thinking or else the weight of those thoughts and feelings will kill me. So that's normal, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally normal. and Totally normal. So I think while writing is something I have to do, I do also love it. And on the rare occasion that I can truly fall into it, and lose myself in a creative flow where I'm really unaware of time passing. It feels like bliss. And it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love and appreciate other people's writing. So wordsmithing, wordplay, wit and joy and love expressed in words is probably my favorite thing in the world. Oh, that's awesome. I love that so much. So just like a missing word in one of my journals, we will now insert here a segue to synthesis. <laughs> oh, we're working on our segues. So. <laughs> I actually, there, there is a great segue there because, oh, good. you know, with, with synthesis, we talk, part of what we talk about with synthesis is relating the topic back to self-love and authenticity mm-hmm. and it sounds like you have a really good sense of writing as an authentic part of who you are as a person yeah that if you're not engaging with writing in some way that you are not you know that that would not be self-loving mm-hmm. for you to do that and you know in a in a kind of similar vein I mean I feel like it's it's that for me as well, but it's also kind of terrifying. <laughs> um, I stopped writing and blogging regularly when I started having some clarity about places in my life where I was hurting, but that I didn't really know how to process fully. Yeah, I stopped writing because I felt like if I wrote about something really deep and meaningful to me, I had to have a neat, tidy conclusion. Mm-hmm. My writing had to be clear and it had to be of service to people. Huh. Yeah. And I I can venture a guess as to where that idea, you know, where those ideas came from. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I ended up 
just being sort of paralyzed and wanting to write, but feeling like everything had to be perfect or it had to be on topic mm-hmm. or it had to fin it. You know, I had to be able to wrap it up in 800 words or fewer. Mm-hmm. But some of the best writing that I have ever done and not just personal essay writing or blogging, but also critical analysis has been done when I had no idea where any of it was going. But I would just dive in and go with it. Mm -hmm. And in the process of writing, I was able to communicate something to myself and feel less alone in whatever I was grappling with. And obviously, I'm talking now about journaling and personal writing. Mm -hmm. Even if nobody ever read what I wrote and God, do I have mixed feelings about anyone reading my writing oh, ever. Oh, you and me both, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good for me. Writing is good for me. Like, exercise is good for me. Like, eating protein and fiber with each meal and taking my vitamins and supplements and medications and potions as prescribed is good for me. <laughs> so it's not self-loving or authentic to me not to write. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm making a commitment to write more, and I think the only way I'm really going to do that with any sort of consistency is if I tell y'all that I'm going to blog regularly again. <laughs> so high five yeah. for blogging, baby. Thank you. And it may just be a hot mess, and that's fine. <laughs> no, I think that that is fantastic. Yeah. So I I share with you very much the mixed feelings about anyone reading my writing. Yeah. Because there is that conflicting pull of very much wanting to write and very much not wanting to be read. Yep. But every once in a while, I'll write something and really want to share it. But then I feel incredibly vulnerable and embarrassed and needy about wanting someone to read it. And so, like, I don't quite know how to reconcile those two things. But I think it's fascinating that you have the idea of your writing being of service. Because for me, I want, like, if I write something, I want it to be interesting to someone else. Possibly Mm -hmm. entertaining. But, like, I think the fear there is that it's boring. Because there's a very thin line for me between writing and, like, self-indulgence. Because it's something I need to do, because it's something I do for me, I tend not to share any of it because it's different when you're writing for an audience. And I don't want to just impose all of that on someone else. And then it also feels, you know, incredibly vulnerable and uncomfortable and and all of those things. And then that fear of this sounds stupid or you are not as funny as you think you are or whatever that whole self-consciousness around being seen then becomes so tied with sharing the writing that it's one thing to compose privately and it's a whole nother thing to write for an audience, which is why I think I get stuck with blogging and podcasting used to be that way, but now I've just gotten used to it and I'm completely willing to make a fool of myself every episode. So it's just what it is. It's fine. It's just fine. Because there's a performative element to that, and it's more of a conversation because I'm talking to someone else who's very smart and engaging. So it's not just me writing to an audience. Mm. So, yeah, like that need. And maybe it comes from that, like wanting to perform well, both in terms of creative performance and in terms of quality of writing that it just sort of sets the bar to a point that I can't reach. And so... Like the thought of writing for an audience shuts me down. I don't know. I have to keep grappling with that mess. (laughs) But I'm very glad you're going to start blogging again. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm going to make myself do it. Yeah, that's I don't know what the hell I'll write about. That's fine. It's all fine. (laughs) So what was your favorite part of this week's Algatum? I love looking at other people's handwriting. Mm -hmm. And that feels totally silly and sentimental to say, but... There you go. I don't think it's silly or sentimental. I think it's great. It can be. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part of this week's? Oh, it's sort of all my favorite part because <laughs> words, <laughs> I mean, words just move me. You know, they speak to my heart and the right combination of words and the right order can cause a physical and emotional reaction. And then when I'm writing, I can get lost in words and 
you know, writing as a form of expression, writing as the giving and sharing of ourselves with ourselves and with each other. Like, that's what orgasms are made of. (laughs) (laughs) Writing is about as good as it gets, I guess. I love that. So did you have any spontaneous orgasms this week? (laughs) Well, I struggled with the writing of this script, ironically Mm -hmm. enough. Um, And as the clock was ticking down, it was getting closer and closer to when we needed to record. And I still had nothing, Mm -hmm. like nothing. You and I got on the phone and talked through what I was going to talk about. And then I sat down to organize my ideas into something vaguely coherent that our friends inside the microphone could wrap their minds around. And it was suddenly really, really simple to do that Mm -hmm. because I had already said it out loud to you in a very conversational way, complete with wild tangents and everything. (laughs) It was just much simpler all of a sudden to put together notes for podcasting that were, I hope, clear and relatively organized and I thought that was so fascinating because I have always heard the advice to read your writing out loud Mm -hmm. once you've written it so you make sure it sounds right and you kind of know that you have achieved what you were going for but I had to hear how this sounded before I could write any of it out (laughs) that was also true for me I had writer's block about writing about writing because of course I did. And (laughs) of course, (laughs) talking the ideas out with you helped more than anything. And I realized that writing as composition is just as true and real a thing when it's spoken. So in terms of orgasmic writing, I am very aural. A-U-R-A-L, y'all. I said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Just defining my terms. I said nothing. Mm -hmm. I can feel you thinking from over here. But but it is, and maybe it comes back to the oral tradition of storytelling. I don't know. But I love podcasts and audiobooks. I love being read, too. And the easiest way by far for me to write or to think is to talk. Because I honestly don't know yes. what I think or how I feel sometimes until I say it out loud. And nothing helps me more than someone asking me questions or giving me prompts. But I feel really bad about that because I talk too much and I've always talked too much and needing someone to listen or to question or to bounce things off of makes me feel, you know, needy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Damn it. I hear that. I hear that. Needing to talk about it until you're done talking about it. And sometimes that's a long freaking time. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. and circular and going on and on and on. Yes. But, so talking into a voice recorder can help, but I need a good dictation app that actually understands my Southern voice because most of them don't. <laughs> and and I guess I just have to work on making peace with the fact that I need a muse of sorts, like a conversational muse, because I write more and better when I talk to someone And so I guess the only thing to do is just say, fuck the lonely writer at a solitary desk stereotype. But my orgasm came from remembering how Brene Brown wrote Rising Strong. Oh, remind me. I remember it was super cool. She, this was the uh, kind of a turn in her writing. She'd written many books before this one, but she wanted this one to be a storytelling format throughout. And she wanted to include a lot of her own stories. And so she was frustrated and blocked and just, you know, writer's block after writer's block and she wasn't making progress. So she realized she needed to talk it out. And she got a few close, trusted friends and they went for a weekend together and just kind of shut themselves away in a house. And she talked through her stories and one of the friends recorded it and the other would ask questions or prompts. And she literally talked out the entire book with that group and then was able to transcribe everything that they had recorded and then organize it and put it into, you know, words. And she said, you know, I felt bad because I wasn't writing the way I was supposed to. And I wasn't writing alone. I was talking mm-hmm. and I needed help. And I thought, you know what, if that's good enough for Brene Brown, It's good enough for me. But I realized that that is the process that works best for me. But it's always been a process 
I don't want to own up to. I feel bad because it puts part of the creative burden on someone else. I should be strong enough and independent enough to just do this creative work by my damn self. But hearing (laughs) her describe that process made me feel validated because that's also a process that works for me. So I think sharing our process as writers is, is one of the best things we can do for each other. And remembering that so clearly when I tried to write this script gave me that orgasm moment for this week. So it was really cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And that sounds, I love, I love, you said, fuck the lonely writer at a solitary desk stereotype. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) because it's so much more fun. It's so much more fun. Even if we were all just sitting around with our laptops and, you know, not talking to each other. Right. If everybody's sitting around with their laptops and, you know, drinking coffee or tea or their beverage of choice, Mm -hmm. you know, possibly with you know candles and cats or whatever like that just sounds so much nicer than I'm going to shut myself in an office for four years and that you know like and just chain smoke at my typewriter like you don't have to be miserable and crazy right and when I say like you know collaboration is my favorite thing we don't have to be working on the same project but it's just like working in the yeah. same shared space and, and not even the same physical space, but just sharing that energy and being able to talk through it with somebody like I know that works for me. And so putting a judgment on that process is not going to help me. Just accepting yeah. that that is what works for me and being grateful for people who are willing to participate. Like I might as yeah. well just do that because I know it works for sure. But then there, I always feel this need to apologize for talking too much. So I have to, I have to, so says the podcaster, right? I mean, right. come on. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is I got work to do. <laughs> there is work to be done here. <laughs> we, we're all, we're, we're all there. We're all doing some, <laughs> some version of that. I mean, if you're not, you know, if you, if you were not born on the pedestal with the, megaphone you know it's like you have to earn your space and that's bullshit Mm -hmm. you know love what you love yeah yeah tell the story that tell the stories that you want to tell well I don't love this process but I think whether I like it or not it (laughs) is my process so well but see then that gets you into self-love because if this is your process and it's part of who you are and you can learn to love it you got yourself you got yourself a little prescription for some self-love. <laughs> well, I like your take on that very much. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So later when you're stuck in a room with me saying, Noelle, let me talk you through chapter four. You can't be like, oh, my God, why did I encourage this shit? <laughs> you're stuck now. I'd be like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go refill my tea. I will be back <laughs> in two hours. Or two months. It's all good. (laughs) It's fine. It's all fine. All right, Kelly Jones, what have you got for me for next time? Okay, so our next topic will be books, which is a very small, (laughs) a very small topic. Very specific. Uh Yeah. But this seemed like the next natural topic from writing to reading. And we want to celebrate the magic and wonder of books in all their forms. And it's damn near impossible to have conversations with me that don't lead to book recommendations anyway. So, of course, this needs to be an orgasm topic. All right. We want to hear about your thoughts of writing and your writing orgasms. So to connect with us online, follow me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones and Noelle on Twitter and Instagram at Noelle Allowed and use the hashtag orgasm. You can also go a little deeper by visiting the Chipperish forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on forum, and join in the discussion. Like all Chipperish Media Productions, Orgasm is 100% patron-supported, and we truly appreciate all of you so much. Uh, We are really, really close to a nice round number of patrons right now, so if you want to tell your friends and maybe then encourage them to... uh, get on board with us that would be wonderful just a dollar a month or as many dollars as you care to send our way gets you access to the live chat in discord which is like twitter's cooler more compassionate big sister (laughs) that's the best description of discord ever (laughs) it really is it really is and the 
the Chipperish patrons are just some of the coolest people. You know, cool. they're just so cool and smart and supportive and wonderful. It, it's a wonderful environment. It really is. So, yeah. So visit patreon.com slash chipperish for all of the info on that. And please come hang out with us. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a great way to support the show and help other folks find us. Or post about your orgasmic experience on your favorite social media platforms because explosive inspiration is better in a group, y'all. We will be back next time to talk about books. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Until then, I will leave you with Anne Lamott's words to writers. You are lucky to be one of those people who wishes to build sandcastles with words who is willing to create a place where your imagination can wander.